Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. My name is Louis Mendez and on this week's show we will of course be gearing up for Saturday's home game with Sheffield Wednesday at the Valley. Joining me to do just that, first up, Mr Mark Newbury. How you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. All good. Trepidation for Saturday, but there we go. Yeah, I was going to say, you're looking very well though. It's good to have you. I think this is the first time on, on a live stream for you, isn't it? On, apart it is, from the yes. test one we did. Apart from no the test one, one, which was... Yeah, and uh, also making his uh, YouTube debut is Mr. Ben Clark. Hey, doing, Ben? Yes, mate. All good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, very good indeed. So on this week's show, as I said, we will be looking ahead to the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, we uh, we don't have any Dean Holden, actually. He's not doing his presser until tomorrow, but we've got loads to talk about in terms of looking ahead to that game. We've got your emails and your tweets to come to uh, as well. Uh, we're going to hear from Kira Skills from the women's side. Uh, she scored for the England under 23s uh, on the camp. Uh, she's just been on with a couple of the other Addicts players as well. Uh, FA Cup tie coming up for them this weekend. We're going to hear from Heather Alderson from the Supporters Trust. She's going to come and join us as a live guest later on. Uh, in the show as well, to talk a little bit about the uh, independent uh, regulator. That plan has sort of been stepped up a little bit uh, today, so we're going to speak about that. Also pay tribute to John Watson, of course, a very popular uh, commentator whose whose first ever game was at the Valley, Uh, so we'll pay tribute to him uh, later on. And also, finally, we're going to hear from Blair from Wednesday week, who, um, as I'm sure you can imagine, is as cocky as they are as they come right now. He was... um, uh, very, very pleased with his chance of with their chances ahead of the weekend. So uh, we will talk about that as well. Don't forget those of you joining us live uh, on uh, YouTube. Uh, please uh, feel free to put a comment uh, into the comment section, just like uh, Mr. Freeman has done just there. Man with a Charlton Live muff, uh, pointing out that that's what Ben's got in his uh, in his little comment section under his name. Ben Ben is the man who goes around getting the uh, the fan reaction after the game in in the fans bar with his Charlton Live muff. So that's why he's gone for that. Um, so yeah, feel free to have your say. Tell us um, what changes you'd like to see for the game uh, ahead of Saturday. You know, how can we try and beat Sheffield Wednesday this weekend? Can we try and beat Sheffield Wednesday uh, this weekend? Realistically, let us know. Um, let us know if there's anything else you want to talk about as well. We've got loads of time uh, to chat about Charlton stuff uh, this week. Uh, those of you who are watching us on YouTube or listening back to the podcast, make sure you do subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel so you'll see all of our shows automatically. We're live twice a week and you can watch us uh, on catch up as well so just head to uh, the, our youtube page at charlton live hit subscribe we need you to hit that button for us uh for, for the obvious reasons right um sheffield wednesday coming to the valley on saturday mark top of the table uh unbeaten in 19 league games it's quite easy this one i imagine oh it's just another one of those ones if it wasn't wednesday i'd say like any other team coming to us yeah you know we're on a, such a great run but you know, like you say, the arrogance of our fans, as we know, because they're such a massive club, it must be so bad for them to be in League One. 
and it is with trepidation because you just don't know which Charlton's going to turn up. You know, oh, is it going to be the one which absolutely tonked Plymouth and looked so good against Exeter? Or is it going to be the one which turned up against Fleetwood? And I think that's the thing, not knowing. It's been a bit quiet this week on um, social media. So there's no, not many pictures of, you know, the planning for the week and all getting ready and you know, we all go again. So hopefully he's got them grafting and they've got them drilling in. I, I would take, honestly, I would take a nil-nil Saturday quite happily. And I know it's rare for a fact, so you always want to win. Yeah, I do, but I would quite easily take a, because we could get tonked and we could get tonked big time if we turn up and we don't play to the best of our abilities. Yeah, I mean, that is obviously a concern, Ben, if we're being realistic. You know, when, when we've played the top six sides recently, and I'll take Barnsley out of that mix because, you know, obviously we beat them and I didn't think they were great on the day. But when we played teams that are full of confidence, like Bolton, like Derby, who, who barely got out of second gear on, on Saturday, and, you know, obviously Sheffield Wednesday coming up, th- th- that could be a concern. They're 19 games unbeaten in League One, top of the league. They've overtaken... Um, Plymouth now as well um how how can we sort of go into this game with, with some level of confidence that we can actually do something considering we're a side that's bumbling around in mid-table and are likely to be there at the end of the season as well yeah it's a big question isn't it because it comes down to motivation uh, I think that's probably why we've seen our performances been lacking of late because we're playing against teams that need it a lot more than we do uh of course, like the Forest Green game, we look back at that and wow, the second half, they it was just all them, wasn't it? And apart from that, Maynard Brewer safe. We were very lucky to come away with the three points there. Last week, we give away an early penalty and our motivation just seemed to drop. Uh, we had two chances in that game for Fraser and Raksaki. So yeah, it comes down to that. The last few teams we played in Fleetwood, Forest Green and Derby, they've all been fighting for something. And I know it seems silly to say that in February that we're not fighting for something, but... Obviously, these players are fighting for their futures. There's a lot of players in this team now that are either on loan, so their parent team either doesn't want them or they're trying to prove themselves they can play at a higher level, i.e. Raksaki. So like, it, it needs Dean Holden to, to get into them and try and get that spirit that we saw um, against Barnsley, as you say, against Bolton in a way, but I think Bolton were just too good for us. Um, I mean, when we played Sheffield Wednesday away, we saw us play really well that game and we were so unlucky to lose that game, in my opinion. I mean, Black Blackett Taylor, I remember having a few chances in that game. So, I mean, look, MK Don scored two against them last week. We've got to take confidence from that. Um, even Lecco scored against them. It was quite a good goal as well. Um, so we got to take our, some positives. We've got to look forward to trying to get in that top 10. Um, but obviously the off-field stuff with Holden still not receiving this new contract, ownership up in the air. Um, it does play a part, but obviously we've got to try and, the players have got to try and take their eyes off that, haven't they? And try and focus on, on as I say, there are players running out of contract and trying to prove themselves. Let's, let's hope they can do it for us in the shirt because as Mark alluded to there, we're playing against a very uh, loud fan base who, who love themselves a bit, but... They've got good reason to this season. They're top of the league and they're bringing a packed away end. So I always enjoy the games against Sheffield Wednesday. They're good fun. I mean, we've had some good fun against them in recent years, haven't we, with that Simon Church goal and um, Sawdell hat-trick. So, yeah, looking forward to it, definitely. 
yeah, any club that that has the uh, the goal to concede a hat trick to Marvin Sordell really doesn't deserve to be in uh, in even League Two, let alone let alone looking like they're going up to the the Championship. Evening to Paul, who uh, said he's on the train back from Swindon. Uh, looking forward to to listening to the show for the next hour. Yeah, Ben mentioned that performance away at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, it, it feels like a million years ago, wasn't it? I think it was maybe our, our first, our second away game after Accrington Stanley. We went there under Ben Garner, sort of a bit apprehensive as to how we'll play in a game like that. But we absolutely dominated possession um, and looked a little bit blunt up front. It was it was probably not too dissimilar to what we saw through large spells of the Ben Garner era. And we conceded a, a sloppy goal where we didn't mark properly from across near the end. Um how will we sort of go into this one? Because I can't... Obviously, we're not the same type of team. Uh, we're not the sort of team that will go in and, and control possession against Sheffield Wednesday, I don't think. So how, how, how do we perform differently this time around, yet try and be effective, Mark? <sighs> oh, it's difficult, because like you say, it's a different manager, different system, and all the plaudits we had for all our performance up there, you know, it amounted for nothing because we still lost. I think what it comes down to, it's it's almost tick for cliche box. It's going back to basics, and it's go and making yourselves hard to beat. I'm I'm just not a fan of the three up front in the way we play it because I just think the guy through the centre is isolated. If it's Anika, you know, he's isolated. If it's Bond, he's isolated, and you are then putting a lot of pressure on Blackett Taylor and Jez to be close enough to him to be effective. I'd I'd like to go to a flat 4-4-2. I know it's not our preferred system, but I think that's what you can you can get something out of that. You you're going to get your man to drop back in to defend. You've got Dobson there who does the work of two in midfield. Now, if he can sit on Bannon, it's fine, but we have to be more potent up front and I just think the way we play, the three having three in midfield we're just not holding the ball enough and or you know, making the right decisions. And so it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do, but it depends. Obviously, we don't know. I don't know if you've heard anything from the club if Lee Burns fit, because I'd I'd like to him to start alongside Bon or alongside you know Anike if you know, he thinks Anike can start it. If not, you know, have him come on. But having two up front has got to be more of a threat. That's the thing. We just looked soft against Derby because we weren't holding a ball. There was no threat going up front. And if you're relying on the two wingmen coming in, you know, because Blackett Taylor scored goals recently, Jess has scored goals recently. But if you're relying on them to come in and against a tight, you know, well-marshaled Sheffield defence, it's it's not going to happen. And all we're going to be doing is, is backs to the wall and backs to the wall. So if you go back to basics, if you defend cleanly and let your midfield try and control the midfield, you know, the front two will get the rewards eventually. You know, if you can then let Fraser go forward a bit for get, you know, driving the box late, you know, something could drop for him. I mean, it was said, I think it was Tom had said it a couple of weeks ago, we don't have anyone in our squad who who can do what's been happening against us recently, where someone gets a ball and has a crack from 30, 35 yards. You know, we don't have anyone who can do that. And I, I know Albie scored from sort of like outside the box, but... They're getting the ball, and anyone is getting any space, they're looking to pass it. No one's having a crack, and I'm thinking we're missing that kind of player. Someone like a, like a Nicky Bailey. I know he's you know he'll be derided because he had his haters, but he could also put his foot through the ball from 35 yards, and that's what I think we've missed 
having that kind of midfielder in this team. So go back to basics. We'll get something. Mm, yeah, Luke uh, pointing out this depressing that we're looking all the way back to that performance five months ago against Sheffield Wednesday where we where we did play well. But yeah, it's an interesting point that, that Mark makes. Um, I mean, in terms of team news, uh, there's a few comments that, that, have, um, that have come in. I mean, Bob says, uh, as far as team selection goes, it should be Lee Byrne if it up front with Bon uh, with an EK and uh, a chance for Carnu off the bench as well. I mean, that I don't know if you saw the comments uh, that Rich typed up from Alan Kerbishley, which he said, I think he said it on Charlton TV last week about how it's a selection headache at the moment. We did speak about it a bit on Sunday, you know, Bon five touches in the first half up at Pride Park, a few more in the second half, but still did very little. Um, and EK, when he came on at for- when he started at Forest Green or, or even when he came on at Derby, also doing very little at the moment. In terms of like even a striker that we rate quite highly, Anike, he's struggling to get involved in games. Bon is definitely struggling to get involved in games. We've seen Stockley struggling to get involved in games when he was here in that formation. I mean, it is a headache um, and and it's a quandary for, for Dean Holden if he is able to make a change like that. As, as Bob said, would he bring in Lee Byrne if he is fit enough to go up, up front with Bon? And if he isn't fit enough, do we risk Anike and Bon from the start? Well, I, I can't see Lieburn being brought straight back into the eleven just because he's still so young and you don't want to risk an injury to him. Um, I think we've we've spoken about it before. If Lieburn's fit, then definitely I'd go two up front with Aniki and Bond. But you then run the risk, if we're losing a game and you go with Aniki and Bond, you then don't have anyone to throw on to try and liven us up up front. Um, yeah, Kanu, I think. We saw him against Peterborough, and I think in the first half against Peterborough, I think he's he suffered quite a bit. But then in that second half, he obviously did that wonderful assist for Lieburn, and then they linked quite well with each other. So, look, you're playing against the best team in the league. You, you don't want to throw him in there and, and it goes wrong and it knocks his confidence. I see he scored uh, for the under-23s in the week, that, which is great. Um, I think we've got to focus on why these strikers are playing and they're getting such few touches. And I think the problem is a little bit now is you've got Dobson. All right, we changed it with Morgan in the week, but we're playing away to Derby. So it was harder for him to push up the pitch. But Dobson and Kilkenny feel quite alike. Um, so you're trying to push Fraser on, uh, but also you, you've got two sitting midfielders there. So how are we getting the ball to them? And if Innes and Ness aren't playing the ball around as much, so you're looking at the fullbacks, which I think Claire does well. And I think... Um, Sessignon does really well, but it it we're just not going through the thirds quick enough to get the ball to him. We're either booting it up there, and as we saw, actually, our chance last week came from Bond flicking it on, which he did really well with, and then Raksaki should have scored, well, should have got done better with the chance. That's where our big chance came from last week, which seems bonkers, doesn't it? That Bond wins a header and Raksaki uh, clicks onto it because we've got such good passing players in that midfield. But yeah, as, as that comment's come in, I would like to see Henry given a bit more of a go. But I think he'd probably play it more cautious with Kilkenny and Dobson in there. But you've got to push Fraser, let him to help you. I mean, if you went Fraser and Payne and pushed those two forward, because I, I feel with Fra- uh, someone like Jack Payne, we haven't really seen him from the start that often. There's probably a reason for that, because we've had, if you include Hayes, three managers that haven't started him and giving him that go in the side, three or four goes to go, right, you play with Fraser and let Dobson sit. But he's just trying to look for a different aspect because as Mark said, it is that three. 
I know, obviously, it's not working, is it, with a striker up front? And you can't say Bond's not trying. I think he is. He's running around a lot. But someone who's lacking confidence, who hasn't scored in a while, they need that little tap in. They need, like, the bounce of the key. They need to be in the box for these crosses or, as Mark said, a long shot from someone outside the box. Bond's predatory player. But we saw it with him. It, it works well with him and Taylor. Um, and then it works well with him and Aniki. I remember him getting a couple of goals when we had that COVID hit season towards the end there, and he got a couple of goals with Aniki. So if Liban's fit, then yes. But if not, we haven't got anyone to then bring on to change it up. Mm, yeah, Dan, uh, as you mentioned there, uh, Ben said in the comments, I'd love to see Henry get a goal and, and perhaps find a, a role that can work for, for Jack Payne. Uh, as well, Sam, saying evening, gents. Uh, Saturday's game is massive. Definitely need to get a result, especially after last week's game at Derby. I don't feel we can massively change a great deal with a small squad and yet, unless we start using the under-23s. I mean, so, so, so as Dan mentioned in terms of maybe Aaron Henry coming into the side, I mean, there is a, a decision for Dean Holden to make there over Morgan or Kilkenny. You know, Kilkenny, I thought, played quite well away at Exeter in what was his debut. He came straight in, looks really fit as well, considering he hadn't played for for a while. Um, but the, uh, the the performance last week from 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 Morgan probably was quite quiet up at Derby. So, which way would you see him going there, Mark? Or would you rather see Aaron Henry coming to the side? I think he's, his set piece delivery is very good. Is he all, is his all round game polished enough for him to come in and start starting games against Sheffield Wednesday? I don't see what you've got to lose. Um, I like Aaron Henry. I think he's a good striker of a ball. Like I say, he good some putting some wonderful free kicks. Um, with Morgan, I mean, we've talked about it before. It's amazing how many appearances he's got. And we've always said with him, it's a consistency thing. It's He's got to get put seven and eight out of ten performances in weekly, and he's not doing that. You know, he's, Like I say, he was quiet against Derby, and understandably, very decent side. But you've got to be more consistent with your performances. Um, I'd, the only thing I'd say, about, we were talking about the under-23 squad, I just don't understand what the coaches don't see in Carnu. He's got a terrific scoring record. He's a poacher. And they said, oh, you know, don't want to throw him in. Because we all presumed that he would be in. And then Leeburn came in, took his chance with both hands, you know, and ran with it and, and has looked, and most people have said, we've looked a better team when he's been in there and being fit. But he's come and taken a chance. I just don't understand why the coaches aren't looking at Carnu and saying, you know what, you've, you've scored another one. I don't know how many he's scored this season you know, in, in the under-23s, but I know he's in double figures. And you've got to think to yourself, he's a goal scorer. Last season, what, 30, 40 goals. This season, he's in double figures. And I'm thinking, what aren't, why aren't they giving him a, a run or a chance? Because, you know, Bond can do all the running he likes. He's not put putting the shots in. He's not bringing something to the team we don't have. So I, I think there's a few of them in the under-23s who maybe... I think maybe Dickie Chin came in too early. You know, I'd like, you know, Charles Claydon's actually back from his loan spell. I was always impressed with him on that side and as a, as a, as a decent winger could beat people. Wingers we've, we've got, you know, literally, you know, throw a stick of a training ground, you'll hit one of our wingers and we'll throw a stick of a training ground. You'll probably injure a Niki for another three weeks. Um, but we have to have, get someone in as a striker. And I don't see, you know, play Carnu alongside Bon or play Carnu alongside Aniki and let them learn from them because they are more experienced. They can talk to him It's and it can work. I mean, he might not score, but 
it's it's we've got to we've got to that stage like you said we're middling piddling in the table are we going to go down probably not you know we're not going to make the playoffs so what have we got to lose apart from giving that kid match five match experience in a row as opposed to mm. what's the point of coming off the bench for five minutes it's it's yeah. absolutely pointless I'd definitely be chucking him in by the end of the season because, like, maybe when we're mathematically safe for, like, say, five or six games, just see where he's at. But I, you don't often see it at this stage in the season, I guess. But, you know, what have we got to lose? We're not going up. We're probably not going down. Uh, we're in that sort of situation, aren't we, Sam? Uh, saying uh, Chucks and Bon are ball-to-feet players with our current formation. It doesn't work it either. If uh, Lee Bonus fit, I would uh, change him uh, on the bench along with uh, Carney. Uh, as an option, Luke saying that a poacher needs chances. We create sod all, which is probably why we don't see a great deal uh, of Carnu. And Chris was saying earlier that Bond uh, plays like he's on the beach, not the bench. He floats like a butterfly and he stings uh, like one, two as well. <laughs> so so not ideal. Um, sh- should we touch on Sheffield Wednesday? We'll hear a bit more about them later on in the show. Um, but yeah, they are they are absolutely flying at the moment, Ben. Um, as I said, 19 games un- undefeated in League One. Um, top of the table now. They overtook Plymouth. Uh, they beat them a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. They, they will come with a sold-out away end, you know, and, and that, that cockiness that you get from being Sheffield Wednesday in League One, even when they weren't even that good in League One, but um, that they will arrive bang full of confidence and, and not many of their fans will be expecting that that 19-game undefeated run won't, won't be turning into 20. Yeah, wasn't it a record they just broke as well? Um, you might have just said that. I can't remember. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> that's more focused on what I was saying. Um, yeah, oh, we're envious of them, aren't we? I mean, it, it's a bit odd, though. Off the pitch, I, I thought they still didn't like their owner, but that's obviously changed itself around because it wasn't either guy that got Catrian in that time and it was all up in the air. But seems to have settled down that now and... Look, they've got that player we love to hate as well, Barry Bannon. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league. I hate to say it, but he is. He's got such good quality. Dead ball, runs a bit like your Lionel Messi. I hate to compare the two, but just runs head down and creates so many chances for him. Um, was it last season where he nearly scored that amazing goal against us? Do you remember? Was it? Yeah, on the opening day of the season, yeah, he sort of dragged it wide from the edge of the box. The funny, funny oh. thing is, I mean, you speak, you, you speak about him. When I spoke to Blair earlier on in the week, he he's like, oh, everyone always talks about Barry Bannon, but they've actually got better players now. <laughs> they've got players like it's not just like a one man team as well. So, yeah, that is that is clearly something that that we need to uh, be concerned about, right? Andy says four three three doesn't work. It never has worked, no matter who the manager is. Two up top works. Partnerships work. Just look at the previous successful. Uh, partnerships we've had. I mean, that is a true fact that, that every, every, last two years, and the irony being that Thomas Angard himself has spoken about trying to um, trying to, trying to uh, play a, a certain style in a certain formation and buying players for that certain formation, um, is that every time we've played 4-3, I'm sure we've been at our worst. We, we always seem better when we tweak. Um, although, you know, I, maybe that is getting a bit too carried away because we have performed all right under Dean recently, Mark, but we are finding it doesn't help elements of our side, like the strikers. Stockley and Washington, partnership. Um, going back, Kermagun, Wright Phillips, partnerships. You know, you could go back through virtually every decade to you know, when you started following Charlton and find a partnership. Andy Hunt and Mundonka, partnerships. 
you know, they, and it worked. They both of them scored, you know, a combination of goals. And having those two up front, it works. It's very much, I don't know whether when they're doing their coaching now, it's like there's a template where you have to play it out from the back, play it out from the goalkeeper to your centre half who stood a metre next to him, you know, and try and press and all, you know, draw the other team on. I'm not saying go back to just lumping it up front, but every time you watch, you know, we all watch a lot of football on TV. It's not just Charlton. You watch, you know, I watch probably most games which I can find. And you're just thinking, I'm seeing this. I could be watching any two teams and I know exactly how they're going to be doing it. I'm thinking there's something to be said. I mean, it doesn't have to be big man, little man up front. You know, it can have two of the same size. It's, it's getting in a partnership. And I think once you have that in place, everything else, you know, fits into it. And it seems to be an anachronism to football nowadays. So you have to have your one striker, your one main man in the team. But look at look at Spurs. You know, you've got Kane and Son working together. Okay, Son this season hasn't been so great, but you know, they but they work as a partnership. Look at last season; it's amazing to see them. You know, doing that. So it's it's what we need, and it's an old fashioned thing. And obviously, the coaches will tell you, oh, statistically, if you play this way, that's what statistics you can shove up your hoop because it's watching it week in week out and seeing it not work so you have to try something different and like i say it's is it going to kill us if we go to up front no because what happens you're losing a game what do they do last 15 minutes of a game they generally take one of the defenders off and go oh, let's go to up front or let's stick the big center half up front see if he can get his head on stuff you're thinking well hold on a minute you you're now trying that to try and score but you didn't think of having two up front for the previous 75 minutes. Oh, sometimes what little hair I have left on my face, I just tear out because I'm just thinking, what are you not seeing that works? It doesn't work. It, you know, what this madness of saying, all right, let's keep on trying. I mean, who, who we have, I mean, Jez has scored is what nine goals, league goals. So we don't even have anybody in double figures for the season. And it's February, and that's embarrassing. For it's been embarrassing for any club. It's embarrassing for Charlton to not have a striker who's hit double figures by February. You know, I'm not yeah. saying that you know you're going to get a Ronaldo character in, but you need someone who, when the other team see that name on the team sheet, they're going to go, "Oh, we're in for a tough one." The other, the other team sheets get handed in. The other teams must be wetting themselves laughing now because they're going to say, "Well, who, who do we have to mark?" On. Mm. All we got to do is step up. You'll be offside. You know. Yeah. Look, we, at... get a, we get a nice little comment at the end of Blair's interview, actually, about Macaulay Bonds. Just, just shows how scared they are of us. I did enjoy the statistics. You can shove up your hoop phrase. I, I normally put them on a graph. Um, right. I, 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 I've got an email I wanted to come to as well uh, that we received earlier on in the week from Stuart. It said hi, Louis and team. Following on from the, the discussion on Sunday's. Uh, live stream regarding the current squad and potential players we'd keep. I thought I'd email in with my thoughts. I've said to friends for a few seasons now that we as fans get caught in a form of Stockholm syndrome, whereby we rate certain players and would like to keep them. I agree with uh, with Louis and Sunday show uh, said about us overestimating players. This has probably stemmed from the fact that we've been struggling in and around League One for over a decade. 
uh, in reality, we've been far off the quality that we need as a football club for a long time. It's uh, understandable to make emotional attachments to players, but we need to recognise when they're not good enough and be ruthless, for want of a better word. Always be respectful and thankful for a player's effort, uh, but we need them on uh, to move them on. He said, in my uh, opinion, there's only a handful of players I'd keep. The goalkeepers, Ness, Dobson, Fraser, Claire, Enike when fit, and Lee Burners and Campbell as squad players. All the others are clearly not good enough to be promoted and ultimately uh, not going to be good enough to keep us in the championship if we ever got there. I've been going since 1997s. We're light years away uh, from the quality we even had in those days. Jens and Yule Parker, they're the sort of players that we should be aspiring to. Hopefully we can get some stability uh, back in the club uh, and uh, off the field and move forwards. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good email uh, from Stuart. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even mentioned in terms of stability. It was another silly thing really this week, Ben, but uh, Dean Holden's name getting it with QPR, ne- never going to happen in a million years. But the fact that you know, and, and if, if we're going to guess here that Dean Holden's agent and now had to try, try and link him with other clubs twice, does show that he's probably deep down a little bit concerned that the contract hasn't been sorted yet. Yeah, you've got that. I mean, I was just going to say, he must have a really good agent that keeps talking him up for jobs. But why wouldn't you? I mean, he's at this club. He was brought in by these uh, meant-to-be owners of the club. Uh, he's still here. The rest of them have left. He needs some assurances. He's done a good job so far. Um, so he obviously wants to know his future. Uh, but I think you mentioned it on Sunday show. Is Thomas Sangard going to give a man a two, three-year contract when he's not going to be the sole owner of the football club? Well, realistically, that would be a silly decision because, as you said, the, these new owners might come in and go, actually, we don't want Dean as the owner. What Thomas Sangard needs to do is hurry up this process so that we can work out as a football club where we're going. Because we know players' contracts are running down. We know they'll probably be talking to other clubs around March, April time. And cool, it'll be a sad day when someone like George Dobson leaves this club. I know he's still got this extension, but it'll, it won't take much money to lure him out of the club, will it? Like, I'm not saying he's not a loyal man, but if we're not going anywhere as a football club, then who would like to stay at this club? Um, and as I said, we've got players on these six-month contracts. We've got some loan players, which are doing well. Um, are they going to be wanted at their parent club or are they going to be wanted at Charlton? So he needs to find um, some reassurances from the club. But as you said, Sangard's in a predicament where what does he do? Um, but yeah, look, also he's done a good job. So his name's being touted around. Um, but yeah, I couldn't see that QPR link going anywhere. I mean, they are in such a bad run of form they could get relegated and um, they've obviously gone for a club legend to take over. But um, yeah, please, uh, obviously, <laughs> Dean staying. But where are we in situation right now? He obviously hasn't given a press conference right now. Um, be interesting to hear what he says to that, if he did actually, because there were rumours he did go for an interview, wasn't there? So be interesting to see if yeah. he did. I doubt he did, but... Yeah, I was going to say uh, the, the rumours uh, ra- rather than anything specific, I'd, I'd suggest on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dean uh, Dean wasn't speaking today. He's not speaking until tomorrow. Um, n- n- nothing to worry about. It's just uh, the, the timings this week is that he couldn't speak uh, today. Uh, but yeah, a couple more comments. I mean, Luke's saying if we go for, uh, I feel like we go for free free to try and accommodate Fraser. He's too good to be dropped, but doesn't suit a two next to Dobson. Um, and then, I mean, Bob's asking if he did go to up top, which wide man would you drop? And I think it wouldn't be a case of dropping a wide man. It would be a case of dropping one of those midfield three. So out of Dobson, Fraser and Morgan slash Kilkenny, you'd, you'd assume it's the Morgan slash Kilkenny uh, who would go. Um, Dan says, uh, problem is we're not spending any money. How do we 
um, get players that we need under this ownership. I mean, that is a massive concern for the summer. Yeah, and, and you know, that's why we sometimes we're, we're talking about where we need to improve as a squad and we and you know, as football fans who want to have that have that conversation, and deep down we forget that we're in uh, we're in all sorts of trouble at the other end. Andy's saying uh, Thomas needs to come out and say that instead of you uh, feeding the fans the usual uh, nonsense. Uh, no stability uh, on board or ownership level means no stability at manager or player level as well, and that is absolutely true. There from uh, from Andy. Right, we're going to have a break uh, in a few seconds' time. We're going to hear from Kira Skills from the women's team. Uh, we've got Heather from the Supporters Trust uh, coming up. We're still going to hear from Blair as well from Wednesday week as we continue to look ahead uh, to the game uh, with Sheffield Wednesday. Right, we shall be back in thirty seconds or so. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's John. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. A special welcome to everyone who's joining us live on YouTube this Thursday evening. Don't forget, um, if you're catching up on the podcast, why not check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to us uh, on there. You get to hear the uh, the show as per usual, but you also get to look at uh, Ben's beautiful beard and Mark's uh, shiny head uh, as well. So there's there's uh, plenty plenty for you to feast your eyes on in there. Uh, and uh, if you do watch the shows live, you can join in live, as you've seen from all of the... Um, uh, the uh, the comments that we've seen are Honka Plonka, which is a wonderful name, saying Saturday it's either going to be an absolutely brilliant win or it will be an absolute field day for Sheffield Wednesday. We hope it could go uh, either way. Uh, excellent. Right, um, let's hear from uh, Kira Skills uh, from the women's team. Uh, very briefly, she went off with uh, the England under-23s over the last couple of weeks. Uh, fellow addicts Angela Addison 
and Mia Ross uh, went as well. But Mia, uh, Kira found the back of the net in one of the, one of the games as well. She got her first goals uh, for the England uh, under twenty three. She spoke to the club earlier on today uh, to say how proud she was of that moment. Kira here, um, fresh in training, back off um, her recent success with the England under twenty three young lioness squad. Uh, Kira, do you want to tell us a little about your experience? What it was like getting the call up and how it's been the way on camp. Yeah, I mean, it's always an unbelievable feeling getting the call up for the under-23s. Um, it's a great group to be part of, some of the best young players in the country. So, yeah, it's always a very exciting time. And obviously you scored your first uh, England under-23 goal as well in front of a 1,200 capacity Tranmere Rovers Stadium. Uh, what was that feeling like when you saw the goal going back in the net? I couldn't really believe it, to be honest. It's an unbelievable feeling, something you dream of doing obviously scoring for your country. So yeah, when the ball hit the back of the net, I just couldn't believe it. It's a very proud moment for me and my family. Yeah, and um, obviously it was a header and you've you scored quite a few headers for Charlton this season. And second highest goal scorer as a centre-back. Obviously it shows that there's kind of goals all over the, the pitch, but uh, is goal scoring something you've kind of been aiming for this season or has it just kind of come naturally for you? Um, obviously, like on the training pitch, I've been working hard to improve like my heading and things like that. So obviously it's nice to see it it coming out on the pitch and it's great to be able to contribute to the team. And obviously heading back now into FA Cup action this weekend, taking on Birmingham. Uh, how are you feeling about that game? How's preparations been going? Yeah, I think we're really excited as a team for the game. Obviously FA Cup, the last 16 in the FA Cup. Um, obviously preparations don't really change. We obviously keep it the same as always. Um, but yeah, no, I think we're all really looking forward to the game. There we go. That was uh, Kira speaking to to the club earlier on uh, today. Uh, yeah, well done to her for her goal uh, with the England under twenty threes. The girls uh, back in action this Saturday, then uh, this Sunday, I should say, two o'clock. Danny Oakwood uh, FA Cup against Birmingham already beat Birmingham three 0 in the league at the Valley earlier on this season. So hopefully we can repeat the trick. Uh, not that many Championship clubs left in the FA Cup now as well, but we're uh, we're doing a good uh, job there. Right, um, it's time to bring in our guest. Uh, so I shall do that now, Heather. Uh, from the Supporters Trust has uh, joined us and uh, hopefully has just arrived on all your screens. Good evening, Heather. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. Yeah, excellent. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, thanks uh, so much. Uh, Yeah, you're a big fan of the women's team as well, of course. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on to join us. Um, We want to talk about the the independent regulator for football, the the, the progress that's been made today. But also, I mean, just just before we go into that, um, you were on uh, Five Live earlier today, weren't you, to speak about... um, Poor old John Motson, you know, what, what a, a great servant to the game he was, you know, a voice we've all been so familiar with uh, over the years and, and very sadly passed away um, today. Um, so I thought since, since you've already uh, paid tribute to him once on, on national radio, you might like to say a few words well, about what he meant to you. Well, I was uh, just warming up for this then, Louis. Uh, yes, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was ad- actually going to be talking about the uh, independent regulator on Five Live and then sadly John Motson. Uh, passed away just as I was being queued up to go on air and I have to say I I was quite emotional I I was really quite shocked by the news and clearly you could tell everybody else was as well and of course I think as Charlton fans we remember that he tells the story that his first ever game he was brought to by his dad was at the Valley when he was seven years old and I think a huge number of Charlton fans can relate to that and from that point of view, he sort of feels like one of our own, I think, uh, although he maintained his his kind of independence and his commentator stance throughout uh, throughout his career. It was very clear that he had a soft spot for us 
when he um, talked about it when he was on Desert Island Discs. And I think if you read through um, Charlton uh, Life as as people have done today, lots of people have been coming out with anecdotes of him, you know, bumping into him and so on, and him always having really nice things to say about our club. Um, and I think for me, he he's just the soundtrack of our. our early lives really for for a huge number of supporters you can't sort of close your eyes and think of match of the day without thinking about Watson or, or various other other games so um yeah he's one of our own and I think yeah we'll, we'll, we'll miss a true gentleman yeah and uh as uh, as someone on the forum mentioned today it was uh you know, for for people sort of my age, it was a, a nice reminder that we'd hit the big time when we started getting Motson commentating yeah. on our games and match of the day. Like there was, a, I know the the club put up a, the, the video of him on that opening day win against Man City at the Valley. Uh, I think our days of beating Man City four 0 are probably long gone now. But um, yeah, that that was a special. There's also there was another game we won away at Spurs three two where we scored this fantastic worked goal, Sean Bartlett, and it's just having him just being yeah. part of those those moments that, that was so special for him. Uh, for us and I remember being very excited when he was at one of our games in lockdown behind closed doors at Wimbledon uh, and uh, he had a good long chat with uh, with Nigel Adkins at the time and, and obviously very well uh, known and respected throughout football and yeah we'll, we'll be sadly missed. Now have, um, as you said there was a, a bit of progress today with this um, this uh, independent regulator for, for football obviously it all sort of stemmed out of this fan-led review last year and I just wonder, is just in your, in your role from the, the Supporters Trust, if you could perhaps explain a little bit about, A, how what's happened at our club played a part in this, and, and B, maybe what, what we as, as, a, as a supporter base have sort of put towards this becoming a thing. Yes. Um, I mean, it feels like an important moment today, to be honest, that the white paper was finally published and it was introduced in the House of Commons at uh, about 11.30 today by the Sports Minister, and it's great to see that there's cross-party support as well. I mean, Clyde Effort, who is the one of our local MPs, spoke in the House uh, about his support too. So that, so that's great. It, it feels like a non-political thing, but a very important thing uh, to take place. Um, so g- going back to how we got involved, um, obviously fans all over the country have been saying enough is enough we as supporters particularly under the Roland years were kind of going look it really is about time that the EFL did a much more to protect our uh, clubs from the uh, bad ownership and so on and finally it uh, it came into to um, fruition it really took the um, the European Super League for the government to go right we're definitely doing it we're not saying we're doing it we're definitely doing it now so so they did definitely do it and they appointed Tracy Crouch who is an ex-sports minister and a proper football fan really and um, we lobbied to be able to give evidence to the uh, to the fan-led review as the Charlton Athletic Supporters Trust because we certainly got a strong story to tell uh, which we did during during lockdown. Uh, we particularly spoke about the ESI period and the jeopardy that the club was in at that time, uh, particularly around the fact that you could buy a company, as in Charlton Athletic Football Club Limited, yet you could not necessarily run Charlton Athletic Football Club because you had not uh, uh, passed the owners and directors test and so on and so forth. And all of that put our club in incredible jeopardy because we were in a situation where people were owning us, but actually we could 
in fact be penalised in the competition that we were playing in. And we particularly focused on that. I mean, um, we've got a good cross-section of people in the um, Supporters Trust who've got different skills. So we were able to come at it from an accountancy perspective through uh, the Treasurer, Nigel, and Lauren Creamer, who a lot of uh, supporters know of, is a barrister. So she was able to talk about uh, with a specialism in insolvency, actually. So she was uh, able to talk about how difficult all of that is when you're in, in football. Um, so we, we gave evidence. And in fact, actually, since we gave evidence, I have, um, through invitation through the Football Supporters Association, also repeated that evidence to the current sports minister, who is Stuart Andrew and to uh, the uh, culture minister. So we've kind of kept Charlton front and centre. And you know what you do when you see photo albums? You're always quickly going, OK, where's me? <laughs> the photo album. So obviously that was the first thing I did when I looked at the white paper this morning and go, right, OK, where's Charlton? We're on the first page <laughs> as, as evidence as why this is, this is important uh, and particularly around the stories that, that we told. Uh, we're in section 1.2, if anybody wants to look it up. But then we're actually mentioned later on, uh, particularly around the court case that many of us will remember during lockdown in Manchester uh, around uh, why a, a different owners and directors test is important in football. So mm -hmm. there's... Uh, oh, we Charlton fans have been front and centre, I think, in, in the development of this. And I heard from um, a different journalist today, actually, that a few other um, supporters from other clubs are mentioning our fans' um, involvement in making sure that this sort of thing happened. I think we kind of understood to be fans that get it and that we've made a big, strong cont contribution, uh, which was nice to hear, I have to say. Yeah, and it goes to show just uh, how... how badly things have gone for us over the last few years that the government is starting to get involved but you know it is a feather in our cap i mean just finally and 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 sort of an interesting question i was thinking earlier is how does it affect us right now so obviously sandgard's in the process of trying to sell the club so what charlie mevin tried to do over the last few weeks he 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 probably could have bought in the, previously he could have bought the club without having passed any tests, which is what we saw with ESI. So it does go on to affect what's happening now as well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously that that's got to be of a lot of concern right now, and um, the white paper being launched does not mean that it's yet legislation. So technically speaking, I guess there is an opportunity for some things to get in under the wire. However, I think what it does mean is that the EFL in particular are now going to behave as if this is, is legislation and everybody knows the direction of travel. So even though it's not all in place, I think you, you've got to go, this is going to be the situation and therefore anybody coming in needs to be under a great deal of, of scrutiny and, all, and the same scrutiny that they're going to have to come under in, in the future. Because one of the things that I think is important in the paper is that you have to apply for licensing as you go along. So each football club is going to have to be licensed. And so in many ways, you're going to have to continue to prove all the things that you would have to prove to take things uh, over in the first place. I mean, it, yeah. you know, there are all, there's always ways for things to get through, but I, I think we need to be, and, and certainly we will be, pressuring to make sure that we kind of go we now need to act as if this is the way that the world works 
Hmm. I, I guess it's forever a busy time for for the supporters trust because as we've mentioned uh it's never quiet at, at Charlton I mean just uh just briefly how have you seen the last the last few weeks I mean fr- from a trust point of view um obviously, obviously they had spoke a few weeks ago or a few months yeah. ago now about the the charter and, and putting pressure on Thomas I mean is, is there any more pressure that the trust feel like they could apply to Thomas at the moment to for information about what's coming out what, what's going to happen what's the future Yes. I mean, I, th- I think we need now that we know that the Medvan um, consortium or whatever has, has gone away. I think there is now questions to be asked again. I mean, we made it very clear at the last um, fans forum that because he couldn't commit to the um, the statements within the, uh, the addicts charter that we could no longer commit to him to just to draw a, a line in this, the sand there. Um, and we would want him to to sell the club. Um, and we would want any owner coming in to be supportive of all of those uh, um, elements within the fans' charter. It gives us a basis of negotiation as fans. So we, we stand by its importance there. Uh, but I think Thomas right now has got to answer questions. Specifically, he's got to answer questions about Dean Holden, I think, has, has already been raised on, on the show. And then we, we've got to be thinking about now that it looks like we're going to remain in League One, for the uh, for next season as well, what what therefore is going to be the plan, and what's therefore the plan for further investment? Because it hasn't gone well, has it? So I think we we as supporters we do need to continue to press. Whether he he answers back is a different matter, but uh, but um, but yes, we need to continue to press. Excellent. Well, Heather, thanks so much for, for coming on and joining us on, on Charlton Live, uh, one of our first live guests on the, on the YouTube channel. So I'm really pleased you came on. So thanks for your time. And I'm sure we'll hear from yourself and the Supporters Trust plenty more times before the season's up. All right. Cheers. Thanks very much. That's Alderson then, who joined us here on uh, Charlton Live. Right. Uh, we will continue to look ahead to the game uh, with Sheffield Wednesday. And now we will have our interview with Blair uh, from Wednesday week, who I have to say, uh, as I said at the top of the show, one of the cockiest fans we've had yet, and with good reason, because they're absolutely flying at the top of the division. This is what Blair said when I, when I spoke to him earlier on this week. Well, we're joined now on Charlton Live by Blair from uh, Wednesday week. And Blair, I'm guessing you must be pretty delighted with how the season's gone so far. A little bit better than our one. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, what can I say? It's just the best, the best football we've I've probably ever seen. <laughs> As a Sheffield Wednesday fan, do you know what I mean? I'm 32, so when I when I was born, um, my mum and my sisters probably thought they were doing me a doing me a credit, making me a Wednesday fan because in the early 90s we were brilliant. But I've never seen my first game was in was in two well, it was 1999 2000 when we got relegated from the Premier League and. Ever since then, it's been pretty dire. Uh, we had that one decent season under Carlos Carvajal. We got to the playoff semi-final, but even then, we was a very. Um, it wasn't. We weren't as solid as we are now. Like our midfield at the moment is insanely good. Uh, it's well suited for the championship. Uh, players like George Byers and Will Vokes. Now we're not even like reliant on Barry Bannon anymore. Whereas if you if you listen to Sky Sports, and you know nothing, they'll just say Barry Bannon, Barry Bannon, Barry Bannon. They won't even mention. All the other players we've got at the moment, you know, Will, uh, George Byers is just how we got him for a free from Swansea. I'll never know because he's ridiculously good, and you'll find mm-hmm. out on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, this, this is all boding very well for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was this season to be expected? Obviously, you got to the to the playoffs last year, and 
and, and fell at, at the semi-finals. Um, mm. uh, did, did you expect to have a proper go this year? Was was there, you know, money? Because yeah. I, I know I know we've spoken about the, the ownership issues that Charlton have had recently, and people look at Sheffield Wednesday are reminded of, of of what's gone on over the last couple of years. But you still got the same owner, and you seem to be doing a, a yeah. fair bit better this year. So two years ago, he he he. he... He took his tail and we used to see a lot of him, a lot, a lot of sound bites and that. And he used to like have do like fans forums and that and make it big. And yeah, I think his heart was in the right place always, but um, we hardly hear a peep out of him now. Um, two years ago, when we, when we got relegated, he, he put out a really heartfelt message saying like he takes full responsibility and um, he will rectify it. And he, he went on a basically a method of changing how the club was ruling because he just threw, I think, uh, I think when he got when he brought the club and he basically had the ambitions to get us into the Premier League within two years. And we went from, you know, I mean, we've gone from like the surviving relegation in the championship for like seven years. And then he comes in and goes, right, we're getting into the Premier League in two years. I think a lot of agents and a lot of bad people um, got got in his ear and were just throwing players at him and taking, you know what I mean? So taking advantage of the money while it was there, do you know what I mean? And taking, taking all the money off him and, and he, and he got swelled up in it. And, but we were loving it at the time when he was splashing the cash. I mean, when he signed Jordan Rhodes, I mean, I could have somersaulted about 50,000 times and then streaked Hillsborough because it was just a signing I just never thought would ever make. Do you know what I mean? Signing like the most prolific striker outside the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? It was insane. You know, um, £10 million he was, he was spending on him. We were like, wow. And then it all went Pete Tong, didn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> points deductions and we couldn't sign players and a transfer embargo after transfer embargo and then he like brought the club off him, uh, brought the stadium off himself and then God and then we had like 12 points deduction we had like Gary Monk in we had a guy called Josh Lukai in for what period who just come from the Bundesliga and he, and he said I've never seen an English game before I've never watched English football before never seen a championship game before and you're like brilliant why are we, why are we employed this geezer and he was giving the likes of Sean, um, Sean Clare when he was like nowhere near ready for first team football. It was just throwing young players in left, right, and centre. He was dropping senior players. He was, it was just awful. Like, it was terrible football, terrible times. And then when we got relegated, um, back to the first point, um, he basically hired like a CEO, uh, took, took less responsibility off the club. He got Darren Moore in. Um, just before we got relegated, probably like four games before we got relegated. And he took his time, really took his time, a long time actually to appoint me. And Neil Thompson as a caretaker for about three months after Tony Pulis came for four games and decided he didn't want it. Cheers, Tony. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good story about that. Apparently, like, um, Tony, Tony Pulis said, like, I don't want to be, be at the club anymore for X amount of reasons. And then Chen Siri said, well, I'm not letting you leave. I'll rather sack you. So, so he sacked him and paid him up rather than letting, yeah. letting him walk. You know what I mean? Just massive ego things just flying all over. Um, so last season, so when, when Chan Zhu did take over, ticket prices went through the roof. Do you know what I mean? We're talking like £40 a ticket, 30, £40 a ticket in the, in, the, in the posh seats in the south stand, but in the stand I like to see in the north stand, they were like £36 a game. It's £32 on the cop. Um, a lot of money um, might not be for down south, I've lived down south, but up here it was, it was, it was, all, it was a lot of money. Um, and he's basically said, like, if you want to see Premier League players and Premier League football, you're going to have to put the money in. 
Um, so he said, all right, fine, we'll do it. And then five years later in, the, in League One. So last season, it basically, we basically demanded promotion or it was nothing. So even though it's not our club, it is by emote reasons, it is our club. Um, so it didn't go to plan last season. We we did have some. We had a pretty decent transfer window. We, you know, we lost all his players because all the players who signed long term contracts who didn't want to move on, who didn't put any effort in to keep us up, left. And then we signed a lot of um, complete different tack um, young players. Darren Moore's recruitment is insanely good. Um, getting the likes of, like Lee Gregory to drop down to League One, he's been really yeah. good. You know, people like Dennis Adenaran, who we got from, had a really good season at Wickham Wanderers um, in the Championship. The season, say they, they came down with us. We we got him from Everton on a free transfer. We got we had a really good transfer in the last season. We just didn't work out. Um, he was trying to put. He's he's really good at, basically. It sounds weird, but he put, he puts players in. He's, he's picked a formation. It's like a three-five-two. Um, but he puts players in in positions that you wouldn't normally put them. Like so, he'll put in like Marvin Johnson, who's a fantastic left wing back. He'll put him as left centre half. So I think he wanted a ball playing um, centre back uh, on his left hand side who can play balls. And it just didn't work out for Marvin. He just couldn't couldn't win a header. And then this mm. season we got we've got a player called Reese James on loan from Blackpool. And if you look at where Blackpool are on the table, how the hell we've got him is beyond me because he's like phenomenal. He's like five <laughs> foot five foot ten eleven. But he wins every header. His, his, his range of passing is if Trent Arnold did it, Twitter b***ing off. Do you know what I mean? Just all that, all that stuff was constant. Um, check out his assists for Josh Windass on the weekend against MK Dons. It's just one of them balls. It was just like oof, um, fantastic. Um, so he's put, and he's a he was a he was a left back when we sat in, when we brought him in. He, we sat yeah. him as a left back, but he's put him in left centre half, and he's just been like, as a back, on a part of a back three. He's been brilliant. And then in January we do we only made one sign, but it was Aidan Flint, and from Stoke <laughs> we lost we lost Mark McGuinness. He went to back to Cardiff. He was fantastic, um, but no one ever heard of him. But God, we miss him. We fell in love with him. He was brilliant, but he replaced him with Aidan Flint. And the guy's just a man mountain, wins everything, and just marshals that back yeah. line. So, so to clarify, you've got a great squad. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the recruitment of the summer has been really good, and, and you're absolutely flying. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, you're here to Saturday. We're a bit on a ramble. You might, you must come, yeah, that's how you you must come into the to, to the game on Saturday then with, with a measure of confidence. Um, you know, looking at us and our record recently against top six sides, and the fact that you're you're top of the league, and mm. I guess you're you're probably expecting to stay there. You know, uh, uh, Plymouth fans won't want to hear that, but I think a lot of people have been waiting for Plymouth to have a wobble, yeah, um, like they did last season. So, are, are you sort of seeing it being a bit plain sailing from now on? Or are you not getting that cocky just yet? I mean, I've, I've watched. There's one thing I've done in my lifetime that's watched a lot of football, and this is a very good team. It's a very strong team. It's got experience for art. It's got everything you need in a in a, in a promotion winning team. It's definitely getting it's definitely getting promoted. And you know it's going to sound very arrogant, but if your main rivals Plymouth, we better get top. You know, I mean, we better win it. <laughs> when we played Plymouth at Hillsborough, I mean, I mean, we played Newcastle at Hillsborough. I don't know if you saw it on BBC, but. Mm. 
we, we, we shocked them how, how good we are, especially in our midfield area. And we just battled out. We can, we can mix it up, you see. We can, we can mix it up. We can be really tough in midfield and win the tackles and really get stuck in. But we also can play some really nice, really nice triangles from brilliant football. And then we also go, we can go direct as well. So we've got the likes of Michael Smith up front and everything that sticks to him. Works his socks off. Um, I mentioned on our podcast, but we, we were looking at Jaden Stockley off you guys because we just need that big mm. guy up front where the ball just kind of sticks to and lets all that, let all our little runners just run past him and stuff. So yeah, I, I've got to be conf- I've got to be confident. I can't be. I can't be nothing but confident. We've we've gone 19 games unbeaten in the league for the first time since like the 1930s or something stupid. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, all, all my things come to an end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Macaulay Bond's gonna smash it, mate. There we go. I told you he was uh, he was confident uh, ahead of that game. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, cheers to to Blair for for joining us. Um, look, when when you're playing when you're playing the way that they have been, Ben. Uh, of course, uh, he's going to have that measure of confidence about him. So you can you can see why. Um, yeah, he had a very kind word for Macaulay Bond at the end there. He's quaking in his boots at the idea of playing him. Come on, I wonder I would be. But come on. <laughs> do you know what I would do? I'd send that to Dean Olden and say, Dean, like, play that to to the boys before they go out and try and wipe the smile off his face. Like, I understand how he's pretty happy how his team are playing, but... That was a bit arrogant, wasn't it? Talking about Plymouth in that way as well. It's like Plymouth have been. To be fair, I start. Yeah, well. I started it, but yeah. <laughs> oh, um, here yeah, we go. Little, it's all coming out. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Right. Um, uh, we've asked for some of your score predictions. Oh, actually, just during that, Andy said uh, he he felt there was uh, some similarities between uh, their owner, the Sheffield Wednesday owner, and Thomas Sangar. But at least it sounds like uh, their owner listened to others and learned from his uh, mistakes. And Freeman saying that's what I thought Andy said. Uh, that they'd uh, spent ten million pounds on a on a player as well, All right? So your your prediction, Dan said we might lose two one. Uh, yeah, the only Freeman saying it's not looking good. Uh, Paul Davenport says a four one defeat. Um, Aaron says that we're going to win two one. Two goals for for Bon and, and Bannon getting sent off. Well, we can all dream, can't we? Uh, uh, Dan Bro says one three, but Fraser to get the goal uh, for us. Uh, Dan Roach says anything less than ten is an achievement. He'll be happy. Well, I don't know if he'll be happy, but he thinks 5-1 Sheffield Wednesday. I, I, I think it'll be a bit tighter than that, but I expect us to get beat comfortably, maybe 2-0, something like that. Mark, what do you think? I'm sticking with what I said at the start of the show. I will take a 0-0 quite happily. Um, look, I was thinking, if you get to half-time at 0-0, you give yourself a chance, because 45 minutes, you know, you can adjust and you can tweak stuff. I would take a 0-0. Would I take us losing... Well, I've seen it enough times, so I have to. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, excellent. Ben, just just uh, briefly, how do you see it going, mate? Well, it's head versus heart, isn't it? But um, I reckon they're going to nick it 2 1. I'm going to try mm. and be positive and think that we'll grind out a draw. But yeah, just the sloppy goals we conceded last week. Hopefully, Ennis will come back into the team this week because I think Hector just wasn't match fit, was he? But yeah, I think they'll just be a bit too much for us. They score a lot of goals, and I just can't see us not winning the game. Show that to Dean Olden. That'll fire him up the scene. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Right, we've run out of time here on Charlton Live, uh, the big match preview. Thanks to everyone who joined us uh, for this evening's show. Don't forget um, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
Uh, quite a few of you have joined us in the live chat. Your comments have been really welcome as well. Actually, it keeps the conversation flowing really nicely. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Charlton Live um, and join us again Sunday morning about 10 o'clock. We'll be doing another live stream to look back at the Sheffield Wednesday game. If we win, I'm inviting Blair back on. Um, thanks to everyone who's tuned in via the podcast as usual as well. Um, massive thanks to Mark and to Ben for joining me this week. You're welcome, mate. Thank you. Enjoyed the debut. Yeah, well done, uh, boys, on, on getting uh, your faces on YouTube. You must, you must, uh, you must be really proud of yourselves. Right, I'm Louis Mendez. Uh, thanks for listening, and we shall see you again. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.